Right. There's your button, and we'll see. We'll see if we get an. I don't get it out of this. I think. I think we will. We'll see. Hopefully, none of us slips on the ice. <laughs> the dream. <laughs> yeah. Everybody, welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about uh, uh, performance in Edmonton. Uh, I'm Paul. And I'm Fonda. Uh, and things might sound differently. You might have just heard a car uh, honk uh, because we are giving the hottest take we've ever given. The hottest take. We are walking to the car right now, right after a show. Two shows. The, two shows at the Chinook series. That's right. So, uh, you know, a, a festival inspired by a hot breeze. Yeah, hot yeah. Wind. Well, and um, so I'm unlocking the car. Here we go. Okay. One sec. Uh, while you do that, I will talk about the two shows we saw. Uh, we saw two shows. Uh, one was called The Unrepentant Necrophile, uh, which was by The Cold Hearts, uh, a group from out of town, and uh, another show called To Clown or Not to Clown, uh, Maximime to Clown Can or I Not to Clown. Can I just point out that I did not get a parking ticket? Nice. This was a, a point of contention <laughs> before we turned on the microphone. <laughs> Would so, we before get we get too ticket? into it, do you want your seat warmer on? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, we're in Edmonton. It's February. Right. Or, and yeah. this is a hot take, so <laughs> my butt should be hot. <laughs> so we are turning on the seat warmers. Um, Paul, what is, um, before, I, before I get into what is the Chinook Festival, mm-hmm. my, my obvious question, um, what, uh, we are um, also, you know, uh, part of the Alberta Power... Uh, 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 sorry, excuse me. I'll try that again. Yeah, no <laughs> We're part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. That's right, we are. Um, so, Fonda, what is the Chinook Festival? Oh, I was going to ask you that, because I feel that I'm backing out a car. Okay, um, so can... then let me let me run with that, in that the Chinook Festival has really become, like, four festivals in one, but it is um, hosted by Workshop West... Um, and it's sort of like a, an umbrella festival that contains within it several festivals. It contains uh, Sound Off, a, a, a deaf arts festival. It contains um, uh, Black Arts Matter. Uh, it contains what was formerly the Expanse Movement Festival, um, as well as what was formerly the Canoe Theater Festival. So it's a, a massive sort of explosion of, of art uh, happening in the, the coldest time in Edmonton. Uh, Bringing the bring in the heat, as they say. Aptly named two hot weeks, bringing the warm Chinook into Edmonton with all of its glory. Um, I feel like it's sort of like our version of the high performance rodeo. Absolutely. Um, and it's it's really neat to see like the the relationships between Workshop West and Azimuth Theater and Fringe and yeah, I mean just all of the companies that have come together to make this series now like a really big happening. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So let's start where we started tonight with a show called The Unrepentant Necrophile, which, <laughs> as the name implies, is about an unrepentant necrophile. Fonda, do you want to give us some, some context for what that looked like? <laughs> yeah, um, I loved the, um, the, the music and the band. I think that it was like a really great... Um, I mean... The subject matter, yes, it actually is about necrophilia. It's Based about, on a true story. Yes, it's about a female mortician who falls in love with a corpse, and she has three days before the funeral to do what she will with it. 
<laughs> yeah, so it's a uh, it's uh, a musical, but sort of a, a like a punk rock musical. The actual staging involves a drum kit and a bass guitar, and uh, and uh, an electric guitar with with vocals. Yeah, and I'll say that the opening song of the show was really the clincher. Like it totally killed it. It it had that very Hedwig and the Angry Inch feel, kind of a like a rock song, but also really raunchy and like good wailing. Um, what a talented singer Katie Hartman is. Um, d- just totally like the front woman of the show and yeah, really um, hitting those like heart highs like could yeah. have sung barracuda the next song all of us would have been like yeah of course yeah absolutely that's next. absolutely if barracuda was about sleeping with a corpse um, <laughs> uh yeah and and so uh the the staging is very minimalist as as perhaps that that suggests it's sort of a starts out in sort of a band setup with a low light that sort of rises up to reveal the band uh, and then, uh, and then we get the slab, of course, in which the the body is being presented. Uh, and then, uh, and then it starts to disassemble. We start to see the drum kit um, broken down piecemeal and brought to uh, brought to the slab. And then uh, our our corpse provides a lot of the percussion while while still dead and lying dead on a slab. Yeah, it's it was great to see um, male bodies being completely objectified in sure, ways yeah. sometimes the females' bodies always are. Like the inverted male gaze <laughs> taken yeah. to taken to a like a heightened extreme. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and uh, you know it. I, it had a lot of female empowerment tones, not only female front woman and everything, um, but she is also just singing like, she's like, I'm screwing these dead bodies and I'm not sorry. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I'm tired of, you know, the, the shit men are giving me who yeah. are alive. So here we are. And she's just kind of like, and yeah, and at this point, the pleasure is all about me. Um, you know, really, really rewarding um sort of listening to just kind of like you know as any female who's been in the dating world or anything like that just kind of frustrated with the expectations and stuff like that what are the expectations from a corpse you know (laughs) right very little i would i would say um what was an interesting thing for me about the show was that um it was a musical but it also made ample use of silence which uh was partly sort of necessity of the the structure of the show there were periods of like the embalming of the corpse. You can't see the air quotes I'm doing there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that sort of needing time and sort of checking the, the corpse. But because the situation is so charged up, um, for a lot of it, that felt fascinating. There were a few times it was sort of felt like, mm, maybe this could be tightened up a bit. But for a lot of it, it was like, we're jet, we're along for this weird ride. So it's sort of, we all invest or we get out now. Yeah. Um, I think it was, I really did enjoy the way that the set, essentially the drum kit broke apart and became different parts of like the actual embalming equipment. Uh, that, that was, that was kind of cool to see the way they animated the, the kit in that way. Totally. Um, I also, it was, it was interesting to just sort of like, there was really great comedic punches where, all of a sudden, you know, the coworker who right. kind of flirted with her earlier would just showed back up while mm. she was in the middle of um, things with the uh, the corpse. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I like the sort of meta staging of like he would show up with the bass guitar to add something to the music, but that would also be revealing himself in the sort of more theatrical convention of like, oh shit, he made a sound. Someone's here. Yeah. Yeah. And in the end, he kind of he comes to sort of like try and like. Um, 
I don't know. I, I don't want to no say spoilers. it's get no revenge. Spoilers. Yeah, no no spoilers. But he sort of tries to like get a comeuppance for her rejecting him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, does you know does but, a bad thing? Right. And uh, and then she's just kind of like, well, no, screw you. I'm I'm still getting my end of this deal, and I don't care what uh, if it makes you feel any better because you actually can't feel anything anymore. Right. No uh, spoilers there, right? Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah. Uh, so it was a production by the Cold Hearts, who have been through town before. They've been to the Fringe with a show called Edgar Allen, which, as the name implies, was a musical about Poe. Um, so it was it was uh, clearly they're taking a, a bolder and more ambitious take on sort of gothic strangeness. Although I feel like this is the sort of musical that Poe might have approved of. Yeah, I mean it was it was like forward pushing it was very dark yes. um you know the end was was not super happy for anyone <laughs> but uh, very bold yeah super bold the songs were fantastic mm-hmm. i'd say that um the one thing that was a little bit um frustrating maybe not only for me as an audience member but for audience members who didn't take advantage of the free earplugs they were grabbing or they were handing out um, is that like it, with a show that um, goes so drastically between loud, quiet, loud? Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was it could have gotten a little grating at times. But I had sure. earplugs, so I felt okay. Yeah, they give away earplugs at the door, and like after years of going to shows and punk shows, it's like you you take the earplugs when they're offered. You, you take yeah, they're there for a reason. Oh, there's earplugs. We mm-hmm. should take those exactly. Cool. But in the the inversion of earplugs, uh, the next show we saw uh, was uh, was a mime show. Uh, do, you, do you want to set the stage for that, Fanny? Do you want to tell us a little bit about what we saw? Sure. We saw an artist. Uh, the show is called Maximime, um, and the artist has been um, a Cirque du Soleil performer, um, grew up in Russia, but a professional mime, essentially, for decades, and uh, was um, also a deaf performer himself, um, was giving... Uh, you know, the performance was just an incredible gamut of all of the classic mime and clowning tricks. Yeah, it felt um, like a real best of. Like, all the bits you, like, think about with a mime, like, oh, a heavy suitcase. Oh, the jacket that comes alive with an arm. But they were all really good. He yeah. was really good at it. Yeah, they were all just, like, fantastic tricks. Um, I mean, the way that he used weight um, or just, like, could depict weight in weightless objects mm-hmm. was Oh, wonderful. I particularly liked the part with the sledgehammer, the slow motion sledgehammer. Oh, yeah. When he was knocking down his knees and sort of going down level by level. Mm-hmm. Just that was, you know, just what a feat of actual strength to be able to hold those each level, right. each knock of the knee. Um, and also just be able to, like, control the sledgehammer so that it looks like a slow-moving, super-heavy thing. Right. He sort of switches the slow motion uh, while he's trying to bring this hammer down and keeps missing and hitting different parts of his body. And the recoil takes it around until it is also hitting uh, a different part of the body. And with each one, yeah, the body sinks a little more. The knees brace a little more. The angles get more extreme in, in his body. <laughs> Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, it was sort of like a, a master class in just like the physicality of, yeah. of, of some of that mime and, and clown. And is there anything sweeter than hearing like a very young child just like uncontrollably giggle through an entire show? Right, like the perfect <laughs> gift to a clown show, uh, like a, a six, maybe six-year-old child, five or six, sitting in the front row, <laughs> yeah. so game to like, you know, when clown's like, do you want to try picking the thing up? Of course he does, and of course he can. Mm-hmm. And now uh, Maxime 
and uh, Maxime he, looks like a big wimp. <laughs> yeah, and has to has to play that, which of course he can. He's you know he's been doing this for for decades. And uh, mime is one of those things that people talk about, and they're like, oh yeah, sure, great. Uh, but when you really see it, and you really see it done well, uh, and clown, same with same with any clown, it's sort of just a phenomenal sort of physical comedy. Uh, and this was certainly that. Yeah, I and also um, appreciated there was a really quick Q&A right after the show. They mm-hmm. didn't make it a big deal or, or ask people to stay in their seats or anything like that. They just took like three or four questions right after the show. They had a sign language interpreter mm-hmm. there. Um, and it, yeah, it was just kind of neat to, you know, like he took off his nose and, right, and yeah. was, you know, just a regular guy. Just chatting about his history and With where the he came makeup from. On. And, yeah, <laughs> and how that, yeah, still dressed sort of like, a, you know. A thirty a 30s person yeah. in that classic mime look. I will say, I guess, the one mime. thing that, like, brought the two performances together that I was thinking of when we were watching the end of Maxime's show, because he has this um, sort of unrequited love storyline mm-hmm. with a with a love letter, and um, bit with the jacket, the the woman in the jacket, also just brilliant, which is his, right. own, it's his own arm, it's, essentially. Yeah, he like, his own arm through the jacket, but then the jacket comes alive, and he's petting really and flirting good with at him. it, and yeah. it looks real. It's so incredible. Like, you know that it's his arm, but it just does not look at yeah. all like it. Yeah. Um, anyway, but the the one thread that I would actually just kind of like drew between the two shows is mm-hmm. that there were both suicide references and sure. kind of jokes about suicide yeah. in them. <laughs> but from totally different angles. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like some of the things with like mime and that is it relies on sort of like a certain amount of like trope um, and presenting trope and like, oh, what does this look like when we move like this? And oh, I want to be, uh, you know, uh, get a fly. This is what that looks like, this looks like in three moves. You know, uh, if, how do I convey that? Oh, I'm going for a mime, or oh, you're a pretty lady, and I want to flirt with you. Like those sorts of things. But yeah, and then on the opposite side with the imprinted necrophile, it was just like full, audacious, fully <laughs> aware of you know the the how extreme the story was, but going for it. Um, and in in both ways, it sort of felt earned one in innocence and one in darkness I guess in one way yeah I don't know did you feel that did you feel they both sort of earned that that darkness yeah I mean I felt like Maxime's of course was just like he was really just sort of like making the gesture towards it and mm-hmm. joking about it like oh my life is over because I don't have love whereas in the in um the unrequited necrophile repented. it was a repentant right and Un- repentant or repentant Unrepentant. Yes, that's what it was called. <laughs> um, it was more of a. It was much more of a, of like an angry suicide, an angry revenge, um, which I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to take that. That sure. one, I that one, I don't know if I got it. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, it's funny when the subject matter is already so extreme. It's like, well, well, how how much how far is too far when you've set the the line? There, yeah, you know? yeah. That yeah yeah how far is too far when you're already talking about and depicting necrophilia on stage? Um, these are the questions. These are questions we ask ourselves in this uh, uh, glorious podcast about performance in Edmonton. Paul, I have an ad that we can do in, right. during our hot take. Fond to hit it. Um, well, we did run into Karen Unland while we were at the yes. um, and Karen Unland is um, the 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 mother of I and I only use this term because she used it herself on CBC this week. Okay. She is the mother of the Alberta Podcast Network, um, and she actually has a new podcast. Her 
herself that she hosts Ooh. with her daughter, oh. um, her teenage daughter Elizabeth, and it's called That's a Thing. Cool. And they, <laughs> it's great because they actually go from sort of like the teenage millennial perspective, explaining things that are happening in modern media. So the last episode they did was on Tide Pods and the huh. whole Tide Pod thing. That's right. Um, so yeah, that's a thing. You can check it out um, with AlbertaPodcastNetwork.com and also check out all of the other cool um, people in our in our network. Totally. It's all fun. Great. Yeah. Um, Paul, we have a really busy week next week, don't we? Yes, we do. What are we seeing? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're doing the um, pre-show talk at Momix oh, for right. Alberta Ballet. Yeah, Momix uh, for Alberta Ballet. Uh, it's going to be a, a good time. It's yeah. a good, fun conversation. Uh, we're doing the talk on Wednesday. Uh, but the show is Wednesday and Thursday of yeah. this week, which would be February 21st and 22nd. For those listening in the year of 2018 and those beyond <laughs> it, I'm sorry you've missed it. And sorry. Mm-hmm. Is it this turn or the next uh, one? The next one. Okay. Uh, yeah, the 7-Eleven. Oh, right. The 7-Eleven. I remember this. Yes. It's hard. I never come at it from this direction, right, really. Right. But here um, we are. Here, and here we are. Um, the other thing we're going to see, we're going to see Mile Zero Dance's Dance Crush with Andrew Tay right, uh, right. on the Friday, mm-hmm. um, and we're and I'm going to see Métis Mutt on Sunday, which yes. I'm really excited about. Sheldon uh, Elter's uh, long-standing uh, one-person show. Yeah, which is like I'm I'm very excited to see because I've never seen it before, right. even though it's been Ooh. produced already a couple times. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then um, wrapping up the week on Saturday evening, city uh, it runs Friday through Sunday is City Ballet's um, season presentation. Yeah, the new show. Yeah. Um. So we're, we're gonna go see that as well. Um. Man, there's like just tons of stuff to see. Yeah. Right now in Edmonton, and we're and we're super. Like, oh, my God, busy. Yeah. Who <laughs> knew? Who yeah. knew? Well, thanks, everyone. I'm almost home. Yeah, we're almost at Paul's house. This hot take took exactly this as long as it took to drive to the exactly, North End. I wonder what some of our... Like, if we do another hot take, I think one would be a really... Like, it would be interesting to do one while we're trying to get out of the Jubilee parking lot. Oh, God. Because that is a freaking nightmare. It sure <laughs> is. Well... Go see some performances, everybody. Go see some shows. Chinook runs until Sunday. Bye. Bye. One of the big parts of the Chinook Festival that we missed was the Black Arts Matter portion, which happened in the first week. And uh, that was curated by Nazra Adem. Now, one great thing that I recently saw Nazra in was the ATB um, Hustle commercial which is just um well Nazra doing uh, a poem she, uh Nazra's our um current youth poet laureate at the city of Edmonton and um it, it's a, it's a fantastic poem Nazra has a great hustle and of course this video illustrated that to the nines um and the 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 video was also in promotion of ATB's um entrepreneurial um program that supports creative industries and it was just a really great um illustration of um how uh, someone like Nazra can really get a leg up uh, doing, you know, poetry and performance and that kind of thing. And it was just, it's a great thing. We're going to share the link on our website um, so you can see the video and you can learn more about the ATB program. Um, it's uh, atb.com slash listen if you want to go find it yourself. Uh, be sure to check it out. 
I don't get it is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta, in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blenow.